No one ever asks for it. Especially from Haredi. <laughs> okay. So nice Gimel. We finished yesterday. We learned about the effect of Matan Taran and the Shama. And how that takes the neshama to a higher level than the malachim, right? Which is what the Rebbe said in the smaller little paragraph, the end of Gimel. And um, that's the source of Bittl. It's the second time the Rebbe said that, though he hasn't explained it at any time. I don't, I don't think it necessarily needs a lot of explanation, but he hasn't gotten, the, the Rebbe has not, Explain the union of the Aveda as a result, etc., etc., but just a bit. Okay. The Indian shame Havaya, and we saw that just the beginning of this yesterday. Said that it's also going to affect the goof. Vin this amazing shot in Lavin Dover Misech Dover. So we, we, I said we'd do it again today because we did it at the end of Shir yesterday and it's hard. Vinian Shem Avaya Bakol Echad Misra. We'll just start at the beginning of Dalit. Mavarba Maimer explains the Maimer. Shayud the Shem Avaya should be Israel who a Chokhmah should be Nefesh. But we're still talking about nefesh. We're going to get the goof. Right? The yud and shemavaya is the chokhmah shebe nefesh. K is bina, right? But K the shemavaya who habina shebe nefesh. And now the Rebbe explains an amazing pshat in lahavin dover misech dover. Chazal say that the inyan of bina is to understand one thing from within another thing. Okay, now simple. That word mitoch means within, from. That's a simple pshat in the word mitoch in that sentence. You learn one thing from another thing. That's Bina, meaning a, a, a human being has the ability to learn one thing, and from that one thing he can extrapolate and think about other things and how that's relevant to other states of reality and then come to a deeper state of Bina, understanding. Okay. Fine. So what's Teich Dover, the Rebbe says? So in Chassidus, Teich Dover is the panemius of a thing. So the way to read those words is to learn Dover, me, from, Teich Dover. The simple pshat is that mi is a preposition that connects one word Dover to another word Dover. That's the simple pshat. In Panemius, what is the pshat? What do the words mean? Dover, me, from, a preposition, something else called Teich Dover, the Panemius of the thing. The toich of the thing. Okay, so what's that? The toich davar, two different understandings of toich davar. The toich davar, simple pshat, who a davar, who a davar havaya, shemislavish b'seichan ivroim. What's the toich davar? The toich davar is the panemius of the davar. Now, interestingly enough, it's a davar. It itself is a davar. So it's not just the panemius of something else. It itself is a dover that's a toich, right? Because what are we talking about? The word of the Ebishter that's mislavish in everything to give it its vitality. So it's the dover that's toich. So there's an even there's an even deeper meaning of it. There's one we're peeling off another level. So it's not only dover from the toich dover, but that toich dover itself is a dover that's a toich is a word that's the panemius of something. The panemius of what? All the nivroim. Kepedesh about Shem Tev, the beginning of Shoyechid Vamun in Tanya. 
Forever, Hashem, your words are standing in Shemayim. What word? Yihirakiya. The words that bring Shemayim into being, those words are constantly there. It's not that the Abish said Yihirakiya and then, so to speak, distanced himself and, and extracted himself from reality. No, the, the energy of that of that saying, that energy maintains its presence in the Rakia to continue the existence of the Rakia. What's the moshal the Rabbi brings there in Shayuch Bemuna to help understand this? Okay, it's true, we read it almost a full year ago because we're going to start Shayuch Bemuna in a few days, right? We're going to finish Tanya, finish Lagutia uh, Tanya, and start. Uh, it brings the moshal Kriyas Yamsuf. Right, that the waters were in, unna- in an unnatural state. What was that? They were standing up like walls. As long as there was a wind keeping them in that unnatural state, they would maintain that unnatural state. But as soon as that interference, so to speak, stops, so then the water returns back to its natural state. There doesn't have to be a pu'ula to bring it back to that natural state. The Amish doesn't say, go return to what you are. As soon as whatever force it is that's causing the water to act in this unnatural state, as soon as that force disappears, so then the water returns to its natural state. Okay, so too godly energy and reality. Meaning what's, what's true existence? Elokus. The Ebrister brings about some state of, so to speak, unnatural existence. What's that? Created reality. In order for created reality to maintain its existence as this unnatural expression of reality, so there has to be an ongoing energy maintaining that, so to speak, unnatural state. And that's the Devar Hashem that's mislavish in every Nivra Vanivra. Show you the Ramun. That natural, natural state, it's like it's, we're not talking about the same thing as nature. No. It's, it's normal state. Okay. What's the more, simply, what's the more, what's the more natural, normal state of existence? Nothing not physical. Physicality is a chiddush. It takes a pu'ula to make physicality happen. It doesn't take a pu'ula in the context of teva. Doesn't take a pu'ula to make water rest on the ocean floor. I mean, it takes a pu'ula by the Abishta, but for in the context, of, you want to make that water not rest on the ocean floor. Oh, that then you're going to need some intervention. What's that intervention? A ruach kadimaza, right? A very strong east wind. Okay. That's what happened. Fine. So as long as there was a Ruach Kadimazah, so then the water stood as walls. Right? Twelve lanes, one for each shaved. Right? With walls of water in between, which were great aquariums. So they saw the fish floating around in there. Right? Okay. Yeah? So that was an intervention. So to, to take existence and make it express itself in this fascinating reality called Gashmiya, so that takes intervention, and that's the Devar Hashem, that's Mislavesh in the, in the, in the, the Oiseus of, of Aleph base that are clothed in every object, giving it its vitality, its, its, its existence. That's the Seychdav. Kepedish HaBal Shem Tev, but Dovar Hu, this Dovar Hu, Adibur Atzmei, is the Dibur itself, the speech of the Ebesh himself, right? which is actually beyond being clothed in Nivroim. Because there's two different levels. I mean, we know. you know, There's other words that we use for that energy, and that word is, is, is also Ur. 
right? So relative to or, there's two different levels of or. There's a level of or that's means lavish in the nivra in order to give the nivra its its continued its existence and continued existence. Then there's a more general level of light called soiviv, which gives more general chayus, more general vitality. Okay, so there's a teich of the or of the or that's means lavish in the the, the davar. There's a teich of it. There's a panemius of it. And what's that? That's the soiviv of it. So now the first davar isn't to understand that the fish has a davar Hashem in it. Now the davar, mitarch davar, is that the davar that's mislavish in the, in the fish has in it a teich davar, and what's that? The seivev of it. The Rebbe just took us to that level. Right? Simple, but what we've thought at first was, and this is reasonable, three different levels of this whole thing. There are three, there's, there's the simple shot in Dover Misech Dover, that you understand one thing from another thing. That's called Bina. Okay. Then there's the Panemius of it, that you understand the thing by virtue of the Teich Dover, by the Elokus that's Mislavish in it. Now they're saying a, a, a deeper shot. What's the first Dover? So in the second shot, what's the Dover? The Dover is the physical thing. There's a physical davar, and that davar has in it a davar. What's that davar? The dibur of a Kaddish Baruch that's giving it its vitality. So that's the loving davar. I understand what this cup is by the seich davar, by the fact that it's really being vitalized by elokus. Okay. Now they're saying an even deeper level. Really, the first davar isn't the created thing. The first davar is the word of the Eivishter that gives vitality to the created thing. Because that's a davar. What's davar mean? Word. And in that word, there's a teich davar. That's the seivev, so to speak, in the mamale. Now, is that in the mamale, right? Seivev. Right? But the panemius of the mamale is seivev. Even beyond that level of elokus that's directly responsible for giving vitality to this physical object is a higher level of elokus called seivev, which is the general highest of everything. Right? Yeah? What, what, speaking about the mamale? <laughs> <laughs> just very quickly took us boom, boom, boom to three. Yeah. Why are we speaking about the mamale as the prat and the server is the. So we're saying the other way around. We're saying the server is the, the prat. No. That's the, that's no, the third it's, But but that's not a prat. It's not a prat. It's a more general level of chayus. So it's not it's not that it's the panim it's the it's the it's not that it's the atoms of this thing that I'm looking at. In Gashmir, so so what's the teich devar of that cup? The atoms that are making that cup happen. That's not what we're saying. That's not what the Rebbe say. He's saying there's a there's a davar, and that's the word of a Kaddish Baruch responsible for the existence of every object and it's clothed in every object. But there's a teich davar also, there's a level beyond that. There's a level of savior beyond Mamala. <laughs> now the Rebbe got there. I mean, yeah, I mean it just it it, it it just got there so fast. That's what makes it so difficult. You have to realize, wait a minute, hold on. Davar, simple shot in Davar at the beginning was just loving Davar me safe Davar. And immediately the Rebbe goes to first Teich Davar is who had davar hamislavish b'seich nivraim, but then ultimately the rabbi jumps to a point where no davar is that which is mislavish. That's the dibur that's mislavish, and that has a teich davar, and that's the seder.
That's all bina. That's part of Yishama. Mazel loving dover misoich dover. Shayidei is beinunus. By virtue of these beinunus, ba dover Hashem v'maluvish b'seichon nivroim. Now we're going to sort of turn around the order, and this is what this is what Levi was saying yesterday, right? That the Maisa, the first davar can be the higher level, and the seich davar can be the lower level, and that's what the Rebbe is going to say now. Right? So the beseich davar isn't the seivet. We'll see. Okay, look look what happens. That's what makes this difficult, because in the line in third line up, so then you uh, you understand the seich davar. Um, is the seivet, but now look. So what's that? So he says clearly that's the seich dover. By being misbeinin in the seich dover, you'll come to an appreciation of a dover. Right? So what do you start with? Tuch dover, and then you get to dover. So now if you think about it, that's the simplest pshat in the words. You understand dover from so if you're misbeinin in teich davar, you'll come to appreciation of davar. Okay, so it's the it's the 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 it's actually the opposite of the way that I just explained it three you know in the third line up because if you if you go in in order of where we started, so you think that okay then we've just pushed everything one level up. Davar is mamale and seich davar is seve, but no, the rabbi now says no. The, the seich davar, what is it that's clothed in the thing? That's the mamale of it. If you understand that, then you come to an understanding of davar, which is the seivev of it. So now that's the better pshat in the words also. And always the penimius ends up being the best pshat in the words. You understand davar, seivev, from teich davar, from penimius, from mamale. Right? If you understand the mamale of it, you'll come to an understanding of the seivev of it. Right? In Basi Lagani, interestingly enough, when the Rebbe wants to explain Seivev, he says, And what does that mean? That when you do the Aveda Viskafia, so then you bring about a revelation of the level of light that is Bechul Almin Beshava, that is in all of the worlds equally. <clears throat> What's that? Seivev. Okay. Then was the Rebbe explained for the next 15, 20 lines? Mamale. In order for you to understand Seviv, you have to understand the Mamala. So that's now what Davar Misech Davar is. So to understand Davar, right, which is the Seviv, you have to first understand the Teich Davar, the Dibur that's Betoch, the Dibur that's Mislavesh, the speech that's Mislavesh in the created thing to give it its specific vitality. But then there's a higher level called Seviv, which is the general vitality. Okay. <clears throat> so that's where we are now. Shua, so so again. Shal yedeis beinunus b'davar Hashem meluvish b'seichon ivroim. You're misbeinun in the fact that everything ultimately, its 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 metaphysical atoms are godly energy. Meluvish b'seichon ivroim. That's the teich davar. If you understand that teich davar, you'll understand davar. Shehu harabiva. That's only an illumination. Right? It's a very diminished and constricted level of godly energy. Right? It's shaykh to simtsum. 
which is understood very clearly from the very fact that it's clothed in physical objects. So from that, from that you come to the understanding that there's another dovar. So you understand dovar from faith dovar. You understand seved from mamale. This is where we stopped reading yesterday. There must be some level of ore that's beyond this tzimtzum such that there's an ore that then can then be processed by tzimtzum, so to speak. Oh, that's Seviv. And even though we learned in Zeitz that Seviv is also shayich to tzimtzum on a certain level. Okay, but that being said, Relative to Mamale, it's a light beyond Simsa. Vahavav, the shame of Aya, Hemamides, Shibanefish. Vakeach Reina, the shame of Aya, Hua Yira Tata, Kabbalah's Ol, Shibanefish. So those are the four levels of the of how Yudke Vavke is Meshutaf Beneshama. So now the Neshama becomes Begilui, the Rebbe said after Matan Torah connected to, and not only connected to, a revelation of Yudke Vavke. Chochma Bina Midas Kabbalah Yudke Vavke. Okay. Umam Shech Bamaimer. Ramarash continues. Shadal Reis is the shame of Ayesha B'Kol Echad Misrael Him Gam B'Tach HaGufshib. That says a big Kiddush. That after Matan Torah, there's also a Shituf of the shame of Ayesha in the Guf. Now, of course, this has to be understood because I, I, I can understand. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how it looks because I don't know what neshamas look like. But I can understand that the neshama experienced a certain transformation after Matantara. But the goof was the same goof. People didn't start looking different after Matantara. And yet we're going to say that the goof, same goof, same head, same hands, same feet, same body, which is going to be Yudke Vavke, is now all of a sudden Yudke Vavke. But it wasn't before. So how does that work? Because it's the same body. Nothing changed. So let's see. Mamshich Bamarme, the Remarash. Shadaladais is the shame of Ayesha Bukhol Echad Misel Him Gamba Gufshalay. Not only was the Avishtu Meshatef, Shem Yudke Vavke, in the Neshama. So now the neshama took upon itself a whole new level of connection to the Abishter. Adkadei Kach, there's a whole new level of Bittl. But also the Guf. Sharosh, who could see her Tamunas Hayud. The Rosh looks like a Yud. Vaguf, the Guf itself, could see her Tamunas Havav, looks like a Vav. Again, this is all true, but. I don't understand why it has anything to do with the Matan Torah, because it's not that anybody didn't look that way before that. But the Rebbe will deal with that. The Hayetz boys, Shabiyad, the five fingers of the hand, that's one Hay, that's one K, the Hayetz boys, Shabaregel, and the five fingers of the, of the, which we call toes, right, of the foot, but in Hebrew the same word, Etz Bushabaregel, Etz Bushabiyad. So we call one hand and fingers and toes, right? Okay. They are the two K's. So that's Yud K Vavke. Yud is the Rosh. K 
is the fingers on the hand, Vav is the goof, and the Ketata is the five toes. Now there's an obvious question, we talked about this, there's a rather obvious question that one might ask. I have ten fingers and ten toes, right? And I use them as mementos of my haunted memories. They're not lady toes, they're men toes. On my hand I have the ten fingers, very good, as doorbell ringers, and the thought of fingers lingers in my haunted memories. I can't say those words without... <laughs> okay. So, regardless of our two questions, wait a minute, wasn't the goof the same goof before Matantara? And what about the other five fingers and the other five toes? Regardless of those questions, the Rebbe just said that Matantara also brought about a situation where not only is our neshama on a much higher level, but the goof is now imbued with Yudke Vavke. Whatever that means. Now let's see. We'll, we'll see what that means. Now the Rebbe Marash also explains it all. The, 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 the ten and five. Right? He continues in the Maimar, the Yesh Leimar. The Marash is saying this. The reason that there are ten fingers on the hand and ten fingers and ten toes on the feet. Who? Because this is Shem Havaya We'll talk about that in a second. Therefore, Bakol Hey. Letter hey, yeshnam shnehein. Okay, now there there are different ways you can write letters. So it's called milui, right? You might have heard of this. If you heard of this, so you'll find the next couple of minutes uh, review, right? There's there's what's called milui of any letter. In other words, how do you spell the letter yud? Yud vav dalit. How do you spell the letter k? Well, there's three ways you can spell the letter k: k aleph, k yud, k k. How do you spell the letter the letter hey? Not in Shem Hashem. How do you spell that letter? How do you spell Dalit? Dalit Lamed Tuf. That's how Dalit's always spelled. Dalit Lamed Tuf. Right? Now, when you say the when you say the letter in a word, you don't say all the letters. There's two levels of the word that are concealed. There's one level that's revealed. The Dalit, the D of Dalit is revealed. The L and the T is not. It's called the Dalit, but you don't say it when you when you speak. How do you spell Aleph? Aleph, Lam, and Fe. Okay, so now you've probably heard of the four, you know, we can put this on the board. Even though you have to be careful when you put this on the board because if you're spelling the UK Puff case, we don't want to do that. Or else, uh, I thought it was here. 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 The whiteboard. There's a marker. He's got to move into the new building. I'll have to figure out what to do with our board. Okay. Now, obviously, I'm not going to write the name. Right? But you know, there are four different levels of Shemashem. Ma. Ban, Sag, 
and ah. There are four different levels of elokus, right? Generally, ma is the neshama, ma anachno, state of ma, state of people. Ban is gematri behema, that's nemshavahamis. Saganavitu, transcendent levels of elokus. Now, how do we get to these different names? This is 72, right? The 72 letter name of Hashem. But, but what, it, what it's really all about is gematrias of Yud Kevavkeh. Okay? So there's Yud, Vav. Now, there's. Sorry, <laughs> There's three different ways you can write Hey. Hey Aleph, Hey Hey, Hey Yud. Okay? There's three different ways you can write Vav. Vav, Vav. Vav, Aleph, Vav. Vav, Yud, Vav. Right? And then K again. Right? So three different ways. So if you write Shem Hashem B'milui Hey, so that means, so let's see which Shem you're going to get. Yud, K, Vav, yud, yud is always, how much is Yud plus Vav plus Dalit? Gar's going to get 20. Okay, the question is, what about the K of K? Okay, so now, let's just take Shem Ma for example. The next three letters are going to be what gematria? You, you studied math. I know this is the math you guys never do, but I understand that. This is too simple. We don't do that. We do math that's just completely conceptual. But okay, same. But we can also do, what, what's the gematria of Mem A? 45 minus 20. Okay, so the next three letters are going to have the gematria of 25, right? The, the K and the Vav and the K are going to have, okay, so that's pretty easy to do. That's, a, that's not a lot for three letters. So let's just figure out what it might be. We're looking for 25, right? Mili Aleph. K Aleph is how much? Okay, so you're, you're a mathematician. You're keeping this in your head. We've got six, right? Okay? Vav. Vav, Aleph, Vav, how much is that? Vav, Aleph is 13, right? 6 plus 13? In base 10, everything's all base 10, okay? 6 plus 13 is 19, right? Okay, and then uh, K, Aleph, another 6? 25, oh, Shema is Yud, K, Vav, K, Gumili, Aleph. You spell all the letters with an Aleph, okay, right? True? And that's how it works. I don't want to write it out because I want to get myself in trouble here. Right? But, right? True? Okay, now you just keep doing that for all. So, so we're talking about the goof. You bet the goof is going to be a bomb. That's synonymous. The bomb is Gematria Behema. So, sure enough, now, there's an easy way to do it and a hard way to do it. In order to get from MMA to bond, I have to add seven. Okay. So I had hey, hey. I add hey Aleph, so hey hey, twice. I've added eight. Above, above. No hey above. It's immediately hey. So you just add a hey, you add a hey to all the letters. You don't add a hey to above. This one, so you just write above, above. So the bond is yud, vav, dalit. Hey hey, vav, vav, hey hey. And that is the matria 52. That's the shame bond. So the shame bond is the milui hey. Right? That, doesn't that make sense? It does make sense, right? Okay? 
Shame Av is going to be the Milui Yud, right? 20, 15, and 15 is 50, and uh, 22, 72, OK? Shame Sag is going to be exactly that, but instead of Vav Yud Vav, it's Vav Aleph Vav. It's generally Milui Yud, except for the Vav, OK? But that's how you get all those different names. That's called that's Shema Vayib Milui. Now, we'll see. The Rebbe's going to talk about Milui. Is Milui a revelation of a higher level? Right? Is it the higher level that's concealed? Or is it actually bringing it down to a lower level? Okay? In this mimer, we're going to say the, the former, that it's a higher level. Yeah? They're always the same. The two Ks are all, in every shame, they're always the same. Because the Milui will always be the same. Okay? So now, when there's, when, if Milui hey, well, there's no hey involved. So there's no Milui. Okay, it's Vav Vav. Right, well, then, then do the math, and that's Shem Ban. Okay. So in other words, on a cert, on a more revealed level, Yud K Vav K is a Yud, and then a K, and then a Vav, and then a K. But on a more panemiastic level, it's a K and a K. And that's the level that's revealed in the goof, Tafka. The more panemiastic level. That's why there's another hand, and that's why there's another foot. Which is really why. Right? At the height, we're get, you will find places in Chassidus where it'll talk about the Milui being a lower level. Here the Rebbe's talking about Milui being a higher level. Okay? But that's how, that, if you ever run into Shem Ma, Shem Ban, Shem, how, what, what are these names? How do you get them? That's how you get them. Okay? I mean, different levels of the revelation of Shem Havaya. Right? More complete, less complete, higher, so to speak, lower, so to speak. Right? And it's all, the remez of it all is in the gematria of Shem Havaya. Right? Simple shot, Shem Havaya is, is 26, Savior, but... I mean, that also means something, right? I mean, that also is brought in Chassidus all the time. Okay. V'yeshlam et ha'tam, sh'yeshlam eser etzboiz b'yedayim v'eser etzboiz b'reglayim hu, ki b'shem avaya b'milu yahein. In Shem Avaya, with the Milui of the two Ks, Bakol Hey, that's just spelling the letter Hey, Yeshne Hein, there's two letters Hey, right? So it's Hey and Hey. Oh, okay, so that's five on this hand and five on that hand. Five in a state of revelation and five in a state of concealment, but it's there. In Gashmias, it's revealed, which means in Gashmias, that level which is usually concealed is actually revealed. That as a result of this addition of the number 10 fingers, that the letter K in Yud K Vav K is written in its fullness. Milui means full, Malay, right? That's all we're doing. And each letter in the Aleph base is like that. Aleph is Aleph Lamed Fei. 
right? And that's why, what do we learn from Aleph? In the, the, the Gemara in Shabbos that talks about the Aleph base, Aleph base, Aluf Bina. Aluf, teach Bina, understanding. Aleph is Aluf, Aleph, Aleph, Lamed Fei. What's the root? To teach. The word in Aramaic for to teach, the three-letter word, the three-letter root of the word to teach in Aramaic is, is to, or to learn, Aleph, Lamed Fei. Just like in Hebrew, it's Lamed Mem Dalid. Right? That's why a school's called an Ulpan. Aleph, Lamed Pei. Right? Women's schools in this country are often called Ulpana. Right? People go to Ulpan to learn Hebrew, even though the word's based on an Aramaic root. But okay, so I know. Right? The word phonics is not spelt phonetically. Okay, so I know. It's just somehow how it works, right? Okay. Did you learn phonics when you were a kid? Were they were doing phonics when you were a kid? What a stupid way to teach things. It didn't work. I mean, they threw it out after a while. But uh, I also had to sit in those stupid chairs at the front of the room and learn phonics. And the, you know, the sign that it wasn't a very good way of teaching children to read was that the word phonics is not spelled phonetically. So <laughs> teaching children how to read phonetically is going to be pretty stupid, especially in a language like English. Okay. <laughs> so Kineged, hey b'miluye, therefore, mitzvasef, mitaysef, there are different ways of pronouncing that word. Beer b'chlolase inyan, there's an addition to the explanation of the basic idea that tzir shem avaya b'aguf. What's that? That's the, not, the goof is not only a revelation of the of the most basic expression of Yudke Vavke. It's a revelation of the panemius of Yudke Vavke because it's Bemilui. And what's the Milui? The Milui is the level that's usually hidden and it comes into a level, a, a state of a revelation in the goof. Tehina Yedua, Be'inina Miluyim. It's known regarding the matter of Miluyim. Shatam alzeh, the reason shamilui shel ois hu that the filling up of the word, meaning the rest of the word, is behelem. Ukemoy, the way brings the example of ois aleph, ois aleph, shat ha aleph atzmei hu begilui, the only thing you see is the aleph. Velamad vafei, shema milui shalei, they are the filling out of aleph, they're what makes. That, I mean, you pronounce, when you say the letter, you say alad lamad fei. When you pronounce the letter in a word, you don't say the lamad and the fei. You just say the alad. Kululim bei behelim. They're included there behelim in a state of concealment. That's why there is a serious level of gematria. Gematria being a level of exegesis, right? Remez. Gematria is remez. Pshat remez drush said. So gematria is an example of remez. So there are many gematrias that are dafka the word bemilui, right? Not just the word and it's, you know, whatever it happens, whatever the letters that you see happen to be. No, there's also a, a deeper level of gematria because the word also has a, a gematria relative to its milui. Now, if there are any hays and, and vubs in there, so then you have all sorts of issues as to how you spell them. Okay. 
So why is it the, that the milui is 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 behelim? Who? And as we said earlier, there are two different explanations for this in the Chassidus. The Rebbe is explaining it this way. So this is what we're going to learn. Who milui who it's the panemius of the thing. It's the inner reality of the thing. It's the essence of the thing. Which is beyond revelation. So the Lamed and the Fei are actually a higher level of Aleph than the Aleph itself. The Aleph is the revealed state of it. The Lamed and the Fei are the panemius of it that's beyond revelation. Which is really an amazing idea. And every letter has that. And like a person who's saying something, he's speaking about a particular idea, and he has an intention. The kavana behind what he's saying is concealed. You don't see it. Now, if you're sensitive, you might become aware of it, though you're never 100% sure whether you're right, because he didn't say it. Right? So sometimes you'll have a conversation with someone and you'll wonder, what does he really want? <laughs> Why is he having this conversation with me? Right? You've had those conversations. What does he really want? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this guy really wants. Especially if it's someone who you are suspicious of, you'll wonder, like, when I went with it. Right? But even in a general conversation, what are they getting at exactly? Where are they going with this? Okay. So he's saying all sorts of words. But there is a panemius of those words that's not revealed in those words, even though the whole idea of words is to reveal your idea. But there's a part of the idea that's not revealed in the words. So that's a mushal for the milui of the letter. And that's the panemius of it. So what he really wants is that kavana. And, and this is just the external expression of that. Now, sometimes you can know what it is. Very often you'll know what it is as much from the body language and the facial expression as you will from the actual words that he's saying, right? And you might even know that the words that he's saying contradict what his kavona is. <laughs> he doesn't really mean what he's saying at all, right? You'll, there's certain people that can't hide that in their face. There's certain people who can. As a parent, as what they you'll all be blessed with many children. You will have some children that are very good liars. <laughs> right? That's true. You have some children which are very good liars and you'll never know. You'll never get because they're really good at it. There'll be other children who are terrible liars and as soon as they lie to you, you go, oh, man. You know, he's just so bad at this. He's just so bad at lying. He can't lie. Now, that on a certain level, obviously, that's a better tuna not to be able to lie. But there's some kids who are just good liars. Like, they'll come and tell you straight-faced a lie. Whoa. You don't even know. You'll find out later. Wow, wow. She's really good at that. Okay. <laughs> And there's, I mean, you know, I and mean, it's also the same in adults, right? You, you know people who just, they just, they find it very hard. Sometimes you have to say something that isn't 100% the truth to a person, right? Not to chas out and out lie, but you're, you, 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 
you can't say the whole truth. You have to sort of, you know, I mean, that's interpersonal relationships. That sometimes the truth hurts a little too much, and you have to say it a certain way. Some people are very bad at that. Some people are better at that. Some people you just know. You look at them and you see them. She's not. She's not doing a good. There's something else going on here. <laughs> Someone else, a boss, should probably be a good liar. I mean, he might want to say to a worker that he doesn't think is doing a good job, but he thinks by telling him he is doing a good job, that might give him a certain confidence to do a better job. So he'll say, I really like the work you're doing. You're doing a great job. Now, he's not telling him the truth. That isn't what he thinks. But that might be a useful thing to tell that person at this particular point. Hopefully the boss can pull that off. As opposed to the worker going, well, oh, that's really depressing. He obviously doesn't think that. I mean, it's all, it's all over his face, right? It's, okay, so that's not very good, right? Okay, that's the panemius of it. There's the extra. So in, in, in the Aleph base, same thing. In the letters that we use, it's not that way. It's called an A. I mean, a B. Okay, I guess a B could be a B I, B E, C, I guess also. Some of the letters would have other letters attached to them. Some of them wouldn't. Right? Most of them have, you know, just simple sounds. Right? Not so much a name of the thing. Right? Okay. But the Aleph base, the Abish created the world with the Aleph base, so it's a very, very sophisticated group of letters with all sorts of different levels of meanings. Shekavana hibahelem, the kavana is concealed. Umizem muvan, from this it's understood, the zeh shebat siur, the shem havaya shebaguf, that that which the form of shem havaya, that's in the guf, dafka, yesh gam milu yahen, the shem havaya, there's also the milu of the two k's, the k ilo and the k tata, the upper k and the lower k, yud k and then vav k, both of those letters are b'milui hein, hu lefisha b'guf dafka, more than the neshama. Mizgala gama pnimius v'atzmius the shem avaya. Oh. Ki b'chtei li yoysem avur I'm sorry. Ki b'chtei li yoysem shoches shem havaya b'guf agashmi hu dafka al yedei apnimius v'atzmius the shem havaya. Let's keep reading a little, and then we'll explain this. In order for Shem Avai to be drawn down into the goof, it has to come from a higher place. And as a matter of fact, it has to come from the highest place. Why? Because you're talking about a complete and total transformation. You're talking about Shem Havaya being revealed in a state of reality that's completely the opposite of Shem Havaya. That... Infinite godly light should be revealed in absolute finite physical material. State of opposites. When the light of Yudke Vavke finds its way into the Nishama, it's not that it has to change. It has to be revealed, and then we'll see. This is a very important point that the Rebbe is making here. It's really amazing. It's very subtle. It's, it has to reveal itself in a place that it hasn't been revealed before. But it doesn't have to, have to be transformed. It's still in a state of Kedusha, still in a state of Elokus. Right? 
That's that's oh, skimmel that we learned yesterday. And so what was the mushal for that? What mushal did the Rebbe bring to explain that the neshama comes down to a new place? And it can even come down to that new place, even when that new place is maluvish in the goof. What was the mushal? The thing that comes from the highest can go down to the lowest. Okay, and what was one of our mashalim for that? We brought three different mashalim yesterday that are to the mimer, but we learned that light. So a light. The more powerful the light, the farther the light will reach and illuminate. Okay, but now let's think about that for a second. Rebbe's about to say something really quite astounding. Relative to the neshama, the only chiddish in the in the shame of vaya being clothed or not clothed being we'll just use the word the rebbe uses and we'll have to develop a certain feel for what we mean when we say that it's it's shitef it's mashutaf within the neshama it's revealed through the neshama that just means that shame yud has to reveal itself in a in a place that it doesn't usually reveal itself so to speak it has to come down and reveal itself in a place but it doesn't have to be transformed into something it isn't and that's the muscle of, of something higher, lower, the muscle of light. When you shine, there, there's a cave. And the cave is dark. So I bring a candle into the cave. So there's a certain amount of light that the candle gives to the cave. Okay, now I bring a, a, a spotlight into the cave. Right? So what happens? So the light now reaches places in the cave that the candle didn't reach. It's a, it's a gavoa yoiser, that light. It's a higher light, more powerful light. So it reaches places in the cave that that it wouldn't reach, that the candlelight wouldn't reach. Okay, but that's all in mukim, in place. Is the light any, is the light of the spotlight any different by virtue of the fact that it goes into that corner of the cave? No. Is the cave not a cave by virtue of the fact that the light, nothing, the cave didn't change. Nothing happened to the cave, nothing happened to the light. It just happens to be that the light's in a new place. It's all mukim. So that's what the Rebbe explained yesterday in Gimel. Shema Vaya is Maluvash, Meshutaf, in the Neshama that's clothed in the goof, but the, the emphasis was on Neshama yesterday. So the Neshama is Yud, which is Chachma, K, K which is Bina Avav, which is Midas, K, which is Kabbalah Sol. The Neshama is now revealing Yud Kivavke. Well, what is the Neshama? It's a Chelek Elokamimal anyway. All we've done is take that reality and put it into a new place. Even the neshama that's malubish in the goof. Even the neshama down here in Eilam Hazem. That's what Matan Torah did. Matan Torah created a situation that even the neshama down here in Eilam Hazem will be that incredible, will be incredibly illuminated. We'll use that, the marshal of the, of, the, of the spotlight. It'll be incredibly illuminated. It didn't change. It's just in a new place. It's what it really is in, in somewhere where it wasn't that way. Now it is. But the goof is the goof. The neshama is the neshama. It's just somewhere where it wasn't. It's revealing what it is somewhere where it didn't reveal that. Before Matan Torah, it wasn't revealing that. Now it's revealing what it really is. So it's in a higher state of bitl. Good. But the goof? That mushal. Because what are you talking about? You're talking about taking the goof which is a Dover Gashmi, and turning the goof into Yudke Vavke. And you're taking, you're talking about Yudke Vavke, which is a Dover Eloki, and turning it into a goof, so to speak. 
So it's not that the light is now reaching the farthest corner. The light's the light. The corner's the corner. There's no difference. There's no shinui. You turn off the light, the corner's just as dark as it was before. Right? That light doesn't change the metzias of something. It just reveals the metzias of something. Right? Now, you know, that problem in science, if I shine light on something, so since there is a certain aspect of energy in the light, am I changing how that thing reacts because I've, in, I've introduced a certain energy into the dynamic that wasn't there before? So I can't be sure that it's acting that way when I'm not looking at it. Okay, that's true. But basically, even within that context, I'm only talking about its behavior. It itself, it is what it is, right? It's, it's whatever it is, right? Okay. Generally, that, as far as I understand, that problem in science is relative to behavior as opposed to being. So I just don't know whether it behaves this way all the time. When there's no energy of light, does it also behave this way? I assume it does. And therefore, I'll build the spaceship based on that assumption. And sure enough, the spaceship actually gets to where I want it to go. So it seems to work. I, I can't prove it. I can't prove that the next time I put my foot on the gas pedal, the car will move. I just assume that the next time I put my foot on the pedal, the car will move. And I certainly assume that the next time I put on my foot on the brakes, the car will stop. That's an assumption. I can't prove that's going to happen. I can prove it happened <laughs> because I'm stopped. But I don't know what's going to happen next time. I just assume it will, and I certainly hope it will. Okay, but generally that you know, in it just the, the, leaving that more sophisticated understanding of of light aside, just simple shot in light. I didn't change the corner of the cave; it's the same. That's the neshama. That's always gimel. Here in Aizdala, the Rebbe is saying something. Just, I mean, the Rebbe Marash is saying it. The Rebbe is just explaining it. That we're taking a, a goof, and the goof is now Yudke Vavke. Now, I still don't understand exactly how the goof is any more Yudke Vavke than it was before Matan because if you had looked at the goof, you would have seen a roish and a body and, and hands and feet. Like, I don't understand what happened. Okay, we don't we put that off to the side. Don't worry about that yet. It'll, the the Rebbe will take care of it. I mean, I hope you've uh, uh, begun to trust the Lubavitcher Rebbe that he'll open up your eyes to the truth and you don't have to be worried that he's going to leave you in the lurch right if you haven't reached that level of trust so get a life because that's you know baruch hashem he always he always makes sure that uh, he tries to make sure that we understand as much as we can understand now that we might not because of us but it's usually not because of him okay let's just go a couple more minutes So here we're saying Lefisha Baguf Dafka Mizgal Legama Pnimis Vatsmi is the Shemavaya. Now we can't use the mushal of Gavaya Yeser Lamakam Yeser as simply as we can by the Nishama. Because that mushal says that it's the same thing, it's just in a different place. Here we're not talking about Makam, we're talking about complete and total ishafcha of the thing itself. Right? The thing has been transformed. It's not what it was. The corner of the cave is still the corner of the cave. Nothing happened. The spider's still there. The spider might have run away because he got scared of the light. Okay, but it, it, it's same place. Umizem 
זה שבציר דשם הוואי, שבגוף דווקא יש גם מילוי ההן דשם הוואי, דווקא נגוף נועד נשמה, הוא לפי שבגוף דווקא מסגל לגמרי פנימיוס ועצמיוס דשם הוואי, כי בכדי וואי, and this is what, this, this, this is the line where we're seeing, it's not simply גבויו יסו ירד למטה יסו, it's that there's a revelation of עצם, and we'll have to explain that, right? And the Rebbe is going to go into it, so let's, let's read. Ki b'chdei li'yesam shoch ha'shem avaya b'guf ha'gashmi, hu dafka yidei ha'pnimis v'atzmis t'shem avaya, that's be a higher level. V'al derecha m'avur li'il, like we said earlier in Sev Gimel, sh'b'chdei sh'shem avaya sh'b'n ha'sham ha'yeh b'gilui gambi slavshusa b'guf, that when shem avaya will be in a revealed state, also when the neshama is clothed in the guf, and we said yesterday that the guf naturally will conceal the neshama, and that was the reality before Matan Torah. And after Matan Torah, there's a greater gilui. Now again, we said it's not necessarily a gilui that I see with my eyes, but there's a greater gilui, just like we talked to the mushroom, we talked about the, the, the radio waves that are revealed in this room. There are radio waves in this room. That doesn't mean I see them or hear them, but they're here. Someone is being megala, those radio waves, into this room. So gilui doesn't necessarily mean that the other sees it, but they're in an existential state of gilui. That's true. So the neshama is in an existential state of gilui in the goof on a greater level after Matan Torah than before Matan Torah. In the neshama, I'm sorry. Even when the neshama is mis- mislavish in the goof. And where does that come from? In both levels? Anoichi. The anoichi of Matan Torah. The Rebbe's going to explain that all. The anoichi of Matan Torah. Because the Anoichi is beyond Havaya. Matan Torah isn't simply the revelation of Havaya. Matan Torah is the revelation of Anoichi Havaya Lokech. Anoichi Atzmus is drawn into Havaya, which is drawn into Lokech. Atzmus or Eklid. I skip a line? No. no. Are we saying Atzmus or Atzmus Shem Havaya? No, we're saying, when we say Anoichi, we mean Atzmus Mavish. And we'll see that. What's Matan Torah? I myself am written in it and given in it. It's not I myself wrote it, gave it. I myself, as we'll see, this is going to be explained in the Maimon, it's going to be this all the time. That Anoichi doesn't mean I myself wrote it, gave it. It's I myself am written into it and given in it. The Torah is the Ebishter. And the Rebbe, we're going there. That's where the Rebbe is taking us. We'll get there. Right? The noise vav. The Rebbe talks about that. So there's a gilui of shem havayo in the shama is mislavish in the goof, and there's a gilui of shem havayo in the goof itself. Now the Rebbe is going to explain the chiluk, and we'll just start that, but we won't finish it. We'll go by to tomorrow. What's today? Wednesday. So tomorrow, Baruch Hashem. Valderech mavur leil shebechdei sheshem avai sheben neshama yebe sheben neshama yebegilui gambis lavshusa beguf. When? How do we? How do we take that level of neshama that's usually, so to speak, above? And you would think that if the neshama is mislavish beguf, so then not when you think, what was the reality before Matan Torah? Was in a state of hell and vester there? Was there? There was a neshama already. There was this thing called Am Yisrael. There's people walking around with the Nevishel keys, But it wasn't the same Nevishel keys before Matan Torah as after Matan Torah. No, it wasn't. They weren't around that long. But Avram Yitzhak Yaakov had a Neshama. 
okay? Their children had neshamas, etc. Didn't work exactly the same way it works now. Matan Torah brought about a whole new thing. You know, it's pretty clear that before Matan Torah, it seems to have been passed more from the father than from the mother, right? Just simple shot, right? Avram's kids, even though Yishmael was an issue. <laughs> okay, and, but that was a chiddush, right? That Yishmael was an issue, like a simple shot. Avram thought he, there's no reason for him to be an issue, right? Sarah had to say, no, no, he's, he's an issue. He's, he's not. He's not us. Okay, Avram didn't understand that. Esav and Esav and Yitzhak, well, they both come from Rivka. They, uh, uh, so Esav and Yaakov, they both come from Rivka. Okay. But one sort of not part of the parsha, interesting enough. So it's, it's hard to figure out how it all works before Matan But simply, it's happening through the fathers because, I mean, after all, the, the, why are the children of the Shvatim Jewish? Cause they're, because they're the son of Ruve. Who's his mother? Well, okay, there's a medrash that said that, the, that the, each, each Shevet was born with a twin and that's who they married, okay, but simple shot, who did they marry? I mean, we know who Yehuda married, right? I mean, there's stories about it, right? We know who Yosef married, right? Yosef married an Egyptian princess and had two Shvatim. Oh, how'd that work? That wouldn't work after Matan Torah, would it? Right? <laughs> that doesn't work that way after Matantara. Before Matantara, that's how it worked. Okay. So there are things that changed in Matantara, that's clear. Right? Which is really interesting because it's so incredibly existential relative to what a man is and what a woman is. What women are all about being and men are all about function. And so who gives Jewish being to a, to a, to a child? A woman. A man. The man is for all intents and purposes, irrelevant relative to the Jewish being of that child. Right? A non-Jewish father and a Jewish mother, that child is as Jewish as a Jewish father and a Jewish mother. No, no difference. Right? I'm sure there's some metaphysical things going on, but I mean, simple shot. Is the kid Jewish? Absolutely, 100%, you know, completely and totally. Okay. And yet, function is men. What shaved are you? That's your father. How do you explain? Are you a Levi? You're a Ruvain? You're a Shimon? You're a Yehuda? You're Shaykh to Malchus? You're Shaykh to Where are you in all this? That's all your father. That's all function. Being comes from Jewish women. That seems that also is that's a Chiddush of Matan Torah. That wasn't the way before. So, meaning masculinity and femininity also underwent some sort of interesting transformation as to what role they play in reality. I don't know how that works. Never seen anybody talk about it. Sure, must be somewhere. Never seen it. But I mean, that's, you know, a very important thing to understand about reality now. Women are about being. Women are panemius. What is the thing that shared to its mother? What does it do? A child to its father. Meaning, it's a levy. What aliyah does it get? <laughs> well, who's his father? Does it get an aliyah? Who's, who's his mother? <laughs> I mean, that right? Okay, there's something called Gerus, which is, you know, this incredible metaphysical transformation, Poseidon. But then from then on, what? Well, I'm saying then they just enter into exactly the same Marechet, right? 
Who are their children? Who's their mother? <laughs> Fathers are relevant. Relative to the Yiddish kind of. It's not completely irrelevant, don't worry. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to find a place to stop and we'll stop. Now I was going to explain the difference between the Nisham and the Guf. Shachidish Bagilu, the Shem of Ayab and the Shama, Gambis Lav Shusa Baguf, who rak ben the Gela Makim, like we said earlier. Right? That's only the place. Where is the Nishama expressing itself? Even in the Guf Gashmi. Right? That's the muscle of the it's all about mocking. Right? I didn't make it up. Right? <laughs> the Rebbe. That there the Gilu is Nimshach. Now, this is all the Rebbe explaining the Rebbe Marash. Right? You're learning how to learn a mind. Right? The Rebbe is explaining the Rebbe Marash's mind. It's like so often you learn how to learn a mind from learning the Rebbe's mind. Because the Rebbe is explaining someone else's mind. So then the Nisham is revealed below by virtue of a Neichi being Nimshach into it. It's revealed below just like it's revealed above. There's a period in two lines, and we'll stop there because we'll see next. We'll redo this again and explain it more tomorrow morning because we'll, the Rebbe is going to continue. Vachidish Batsir, the Shem of Ayba Guf. Who be Shem of Ayatzmai? It's not in where the makim the shame of Ayah is revealed. Shame of Ayah itself has undergone a, a, a complete transformation. It's now revealing itself in goof. It's revealing itself in a place that's completely antithetical to everything about it before that moment. Called Matan Torah. It's unbelievable. Nimshach, sorry. They're two completely opposite realities. And now all of a sudden, it's not that Shemavaya is now in that place as opposed to only this place, but nothing changed. There's an incomplete and total ishafcha of Shemavaya. It's now in a goof gashmi, which is the opposite of Shemavaya. Oh, we'll go further tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Wow. This is the Rebbe explaining the Rebbe Maraj. So don't think that this is just two nice little Vortlach here. It's unbelievable. This doesn't 